0: You got to turn on our
1: frequency first. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back to another additional yeah, of The Incombo We trust Podcast. i be your host, Shaw Thomas, a.k.a. Shorty on the bike. Happy Juneteenth Eve to all. Happy Juneteenth Eve to all. Let's get right into the introductions. Back for the first time since January, my man, Hector. Hector, what's going on, bro?
2: Nothing much. Enjoying, trying to enjoy the best of life and to making the best of what I can out of uh, out of these times of 2020, the, the, that year which 2020 is becoming.
1: Yeah, the year of a whole bunch, bunch of shit, so glad to be here, man. Hey, Ross, what's going on, bro?
3: I'm hurt. i here in these streets, but I'm I'm alive. I'm here talking to y'all. I'm good,
1: man. I can't complain that much. All righty. Akio, what's going on, bro?
4: I'm here, bro. I'm here living as much as I can, you know?
1: Amen to that. And last but not least, the beautiful woman of the show, Miss Erica. How are you doing, daughter?
5: Hey, y'all. You know, I'm blessed and highly favored. How y'all doing?
1: Frequency change. We're doing good. We're doing good. Last (laughs) but not least, Miss Shah. Shah, how are you doing? I'm good. Again, I'm going to steal Erica's answer. Blessed and highly favored.
0: All day. Making it, making it, making it what it is.
1: And yes, uh, I turned the frequency on. That was mad funny. We're going <laughs> to get to the that. a real frequency. F- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Appreciate y'all coming. Appreciate y'all coming. So this is an episode I'm looking forward to. This was an idea pitched during the week, and it's a little changing from what we've been doing. So I'm going to let Miss and Erica discuss and break down um, what we're going to be doing because I'm really looking forward to it. So Erica, darling, the floor is yours.
5: Today's episode, we're going to be discussing the plight of the Black man. Um, What sparked this conversation was um, this conversation I was having with my brother and my nephew, and they were pretty much detailing their experience being racially profiled by police. And I was shook because, um, for one, I didn't know that that was happening. And two, we usually make the assumption that it's not happening because they don't talk about it. Right. So... For me, I'm like, yo, I have all these men in my life, not like that, like you know, brothers, you know, cousins, whatever, and friends, and I'm like, how many of, how many of y'all have these experiences? Don't talk about it because it's just a regular day for y'all, you know what I mean? So I, you know, so I couldn't sleep about it, so I hit I hit y'all up, and it was just like, yo, I think that we should probably just have this conversation, and I'm like, you know, me and Shaw should probably be the ones to ask y'all the questions because we never had an episode like that. You know what I mean? Um, we had Women's History Month where you guys um, interviewed us, but um, I would like to at least dedicate a show to, to y'all and y'all experience and, you know. Amen to so Yeah, so, Shaw? Shaw?
1: Sha.
0: Um, so, officially, we are going to be starting in Black We Trust. Uh, normally, it's In Common We Trust, but since we're talking about... Uh, I mean, besides black men, just blacks, so, on black we trust. So um, Erica's amazing idea, plot of a black man. We're gonna start off with a quote by James Baldwin in his book, Dark Days, um, that was published in 1987. This is a, a black man who um, wrote about his experiences of prejudice um, in in his time. So the quote is as follows, the question of color was but another detail somewhere being between six feet tall and six feet under so do you guys want me to repeat that quote again did you hear yeah. all the words
3: yeah nah I can quote that Oof. <laughs> all
0: right so like uh we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. take turns ta- um starting with um let's start off with Hector um and yeah let's um let's see how you feel about the quote um just anything that comes to your mind about it
2: can you repeat the quote one more time please just
0: the question of color was but another detail somewhere being between six feet tall or six feet under
2: um the first thing it brought to my mind is I'm exactly six feet tall so very very
5: point
2: um, what it brings to my mind is that I always from the time I've been what from the time I moved here really so what 14 I've always been very aware that at living in New York city, because there's a winter and a lot of people, you know, you wear a black jacket. I can get arrested and you can quote unquote figure out the crime I did later because I'll fit the description for any black man wearing a black jacket, which is a common thing. Any like, literally you can arrest me and like, what crime did he do? Like, let's see what crime a six foot tall black man did. And it's something that I've like, for me, it's like I live my entire life trying to avoid putting myself in like that situation. It's, it's. I I don't complain about it, but if you think about that, like for a second, like I actually live my life to to make other people not want to arrest me. Like I don't live my life. I live my life and move in certain ways to mitigate me getting arrested because I I know that if I put myself in certain positions. I'm likely to go down because literally, I'm the black man. For example, there's. There used to be tints on my car. When there's tints on your car, you're getting pulled over every third traffic light. So you try to. You know what? I don't need really need the tints. I don't have a PBA card. Take it off. But it's it, like I said, from the from the very height, six foot tall. That's me right there. So it speaks a lot
1: to me. Um. Sean so when i think of the quote you know saying especially when it says six feet above six feet and under like it just makes me think of uh, a situation that i had i was just talking to my neighbor about this today like um this must have been like 2011 and 12 i forget the year but we were walking he had just gotten a tattoo and we were walking to the store and out of nowhere just like car full of white cops it comes onto the curb and jump out the car. And they was like, get on the wall, get on the wall, get on the wall. And they throw us on the wall and they start patting us down. And the reason why the George Floyd thing stuck out to me, because I never, only me and my friend Novas. is what I've had, you know, like I didn't have a knee to my neck, but I did have an elbow to my neck on a wall. And it was that day, like homie literally threw me on the wall and literally had his elbow to my neck. And I'm on the wall like this, and his elbow is like pressuring me. And he's searching my pocket, and the other cops are doing that uh, to my uh, to my boy. And after they were done and they find shit, they're like, oh, I look like somebody they were trying to catch. And they had to search my neighbor because, you know, I'm with him, and he may have had something that I don't have. And really, honest to God, they only did that because we were black. They 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 weren't doing that shit if they saw two white boys walking walk on the street. And it's a black hood, you know, if anybody lives in Queens knows Queens, Queen like this part of Queens is ninety-eight uh, percent black. So um, you know, so that core just made me think of that and it's like that was really the day where I understood this whole racial inequality and profile and, and stuff like that because any anybody that thinks that racism and all that stuff doesn't exist. It's not looking clearer. And I'll end with this. I think Will Smith said it the best. He said, racism didn't end. It's just being seen. It's being caught on right. film. Right. And so I think that's what that quote makes me uh, think of him.
4: Uh, um, So for me, I mean, I had similar experiences to Sean. Um, I feel like that—that's just what the characteristic is. Just, just whatever your height, assu- your assumption of height. Because six feet black man, all black men are tall, and if you're tall, I mean, you can play basketball. You know how that go. So you know, but it's like you always fit the description no matter what. Um, like when I was younger, I used to live by Vanderbilt Projects, and like, on a regular, undercovers, it was just running down, running down. Oh, you fit the description. You fit the description. And it's like, what description? What crime? Like, what happened? We ain't had nothing. And then um, one time I was on my boy block and then like, there was like another group. It was gang related. Don't get me wrong, It was gang affiliated. That group was there and they was like, yo, take the bikes inside because the boys is going around or whatever. whatever. So me and three of my boys went, we got the bikes off the sidewalk, we was heading to the backyard. On our way to the backyard, the cops, a, a car pulls up, doors just pop open, they run in the backyard. So we just looking like, what the hell? Those on the wall, and they're like, yo, what you running for? And we're like, yo, nobody's running nowhere. Like, we're just moving the bikes off the sidewalk, we bring them up to the backyard, and you're holding us up, like, what is this for? The cops said, you fit the description. We're looking for five black men in white T-shirts. We, we was told that they, they um stole somebody's bike. I said, first of all, there's four of us here. Next thing is, none of us have on a white shirt. What description are you talking about? Because we've been here this whole time, and you watched us from down the block, pick up our bikes and take it to the back. So what are you talking about? So it's it's a norm, sadly, you know? So for me, that
3: quote, like with every, you know, no one has said it, but it's, it it brings up into my mind profiling. It's, you don't, no matter, like Akil said, no matter what happens, us, our color is our, is, is, what makes it you're six feet tall, you may be six feet under It doesn't matter what the specifics are it doesn't matter what the details are. The only detail that matters is your color, and that's what that's what has gotten many a black man under six feet under right now i i had situ, I've had multiple situations, but I've also learned in my situations to keep the fuck out of all that shit i'm i right. i like like hector has said i live my life where i don't do certain shit and y'all know y- y'all see like i'm very in my corner to myself as much as when i'm out right. i'm live and i'm a, uh, you know i'm dealing with everyone other than that though i don't put myself in those situations because what i've tried to lessons right. from all of my people that i know And my family like all of us have gone through my dad my uncle me myself my brother we've all gone through the situations of racism and specifically policing and where they use whatever excuse that they don't even need any excuse i remember one time specifically i was coming out of my car i this was the time where I owned the restaurant, me, my dad, my brother. And I had got some stuff for the restaurant. I had a bunch of stuff in my hand and I'm coming out of the car. So I couldn't close the, the back door with my hands. I had to use my feet. So as I'm going to to close the back door with my foot, I see the cops pull around. They pull around real quick. and they're at, And I connect, my eyes connect with theirs. And... It's just this instance of even though I wasn't doing anything wrong, I felt wrong. Like I just knew in that moment they were gonna fuck with me. Like it, and all I was doing was coming out of my car with my shit, and so they pull out and they come they come mm-hmm. out instantly and they're like, "Oh, what are you doing? I'm I'm, I'm just moving my stuff in my car. Uh, is this your car? Like, what?" It was is all this stuff that doesn't make sense things you shouldn't have to answer things that they make up and under the assumption of you're black you're committing a crime and in that situation i didn't i didn't move i didn't say much I just let them do whatever they wanted to do and keep it pushing they ran through they put their only hands in my pocket kept my hands they told me to drop everything I dropped everything i just didn't say shit kept my mouth shut and let them do whatever they want to do. Cause I learned long time. There's a battle. You, you cannot win. You can not, you can mm-hmm. have all the way. And back then I didn't, you know, it wasn't a thing of, yo, think to turn on, if you, turn on your cell phone. And honestly, I'm not even that quick enough. I wouldn't even throw to that shit. But without the, the cell phone proof that we have now, too many of these situations are, it's your word versus their and don't, doesn't matter. You're, you're going to lose that fight. Their word always trumps your, yours. And that's my take on that quote.
0: Um. So even just reading the quote, obviously I'm not a man, but like being of, you know, black and being woman and seeing what's been going on and so forth. The first thing that came into my mind after reading it was intimidation or intimidating um kind of like a versus um to kind of piggyback what you all said and just like thinking of like you know when they see a black man on the street and then something happens um we're always going to be intimidating um whether we like it or not to somebody um and when we are being intimidating on purpose it's a it's a threat so after seeing that it's like bottom line dead or alive um, and death is kind of winning because it's taking us because, you know. Yeah, so um, great feedback. Um, I like that everyone was really um, able to relate to that. Um, very strong quote. Um, I haven't read the book. Definitely want to read the book. It's called Dark
4: Days by James Bowen. Touched um, touch on what you said, not to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, that intimidating factor. Have you ever seen, like, The Hate you Give? When the cop killed the boy for getting his brush, and, like, homegirl, she she felt a way about it, and, like, the white friend was like, oh, well, all lives matter, da 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 you, have, you remember the scene when she took the brush and she was like, am I yeah. aggressive now? Am I threatening you now? Am I threatening you now? Like, that's exactly what, like, the image you get. Cause it's like, this is a high profile woman. Like, forget the color behind it. Mm-hmm. And the moment she acts out, it's like, oh my God, she's a big threat. But now she's a big threat because she's black. Cause if she was white, she would never been a threat. So,
5: yeah. Kidding, yeah. Oh, but there was a part of it, um, a part of it that's called black men drained by society where they take quotes for, from regular black men Um, and pretty much them detailing their experience um, being Black men in America. And from there, we'll segue into the first question. So his quote, um, his name is Arnold Davis Jr. And he says, "Every everyday life is draining. There is so much pressure for Black men to be perfect. We are an endangered species. We have to raise our children, especially our sons, that we have to be better and have more morals than white folks. That means we have to take shit when we should fight back. Then your peers put you down when you have a different viewpoint. It's amazing that more of us are not seeking help because we are dealing with damned if you do and damned if you don't. So that's the, that's the quote from Arnold Davis Jr. That's the name of the, um, the guy that said the quote. And I'm going to segue into the first question. Um, what does it mean to you to be a black man in America? And we'll start with with Hector. And I would like for you guys to um, really take time and expound on your answer because your response is really the most important part. And Hector, go ahead.
2: What does it mean to me to be a Black man in America? Yes. It means a lot. It means that I am... I am part of what is going to be years, decades, and generations long of change and fixing the, the problems that we have in society. I am just, I am just a cog in the wheel. My grandfather did, never went to high school. My grandfather stopped going to school at I believe nine or 10 years old. He learned how to do goldsmith work and he did that his entire life. And he was able to buy two houses in Guyana and provide for his, ten, his eight children and, and my grandmother. My grandmother, she never worked an official job, I believe. And if she did, it was probably less than a year because that's not what women did and that's on my father's side. My mother's side I actually don't know because my that's a whole different story. My father my 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 father's generation all of them pretty much all of them went to some version of college because in Guyana at that time you were able to go to college for free. So they all went to college, they all have degrees. My father made a sacrifice to bring me to move out of Guyana in 1990 went to St. Lucia, and then we came here. But the message and the sacrifice was, I want to provide better for my children. And what he sacrificed, he sacrificed two things in his life. He sacrificed his ability to own a house. My dad, honestly, pragmatically speaking, he will never own a house. And two, he sacrificed his pension in St. Lucia. He was literally two years away from from getting a pension as a college professor in St. Lucia. He sacrificed that to bring me up here. So I take that with, uh, with gravity. And my job now is to continue to build on that foundation. And I have a son, and he looks at me like I'm Superman. And everything I do, I think about how do I make his life easier? Because it's like I've, I've realized that I, my job isn't, I may not be the, the millionaire of the family, but I wanna make sure that I do as much as I can to help my son be better than me and build off of that foundation. As, as the, as we have been saying, building that generational wealth, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking to do. And my, my personal way of doing that is I want to expand the boundaries of what we think is achievable for as, as a black person, like we have to start like for me personally, I love engineering. I love, I love aviation. So that's my thing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to this is where I'm going to infiltrate and this is where I'm going to become a force. So when the next Hector is 16, 17 years old in high school and he doesn't know what what he wants to do, he can look to someone like me and say, "You know what? I want to be like him because I love I love flying airplanes. I love making paper airplanes, and I didn't know that I could be I could own my own airline. I didn't know that I could run a an FBO I didn't know that I could run an airport you know so that's where I for as far to answer to go back to the question what it's what what it means to me to be a black man in America it means that I have to do my best to make it easier and better for the generation coming after me
1: well said Hector. Well, well said um, thank
5: you Hector yeah great answer,
1: Sean yeah, um, I piggyback Hector 100%, you know what I'm saying? I, f- I believe, i forgotten what football player it was, but in his like Hall of Fame speech, he was like, if your dream is not bigger than you, there's something wrong with your dream. And I remember watching the speech, Hector probably knows who it was, but I remember watching the speech and I was like, I felt that. And I feel like as a, Black man, it's not specifically about me. It's exactly what Hector said. I got to lay the foundation for the next black man after me. He got to do it for the next black man after him. Because if we don't do it, nobody will. Other races and other nationalities have people to do that or have the structure or the substance substance to do that. And as black people, specifically as black men, we just don't. So it means to me to make sure that, look, Leave whatever you do in life, leave it better than how you, uh, a for the next man to come. And his job is to leave it better than how you left it for him. But unfortunately, that and then, and like, and, and that's just a good part. And this may sound kind of, you know, bad, but this is just my truth. To be a black man right now is to, unfortunately, be in fear. Being fair, I'm sure we all saw that kid that was chewing hoops and he saw the cop call coming and and he went to go hide. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, okay. I'm 31. I would have probably did the same shit at 31 years old because, because mm-hmm. I'm in fear, like I am legit scared. Like it's to the point where my mom who's right here, my mom, every time I leave the crib at 31 years old, my, my mom says. You know, just don't drive too fast. You know, don't, don't, don't do anything crazy. You mm-hmm. know, you don't. And at 31 years old, my mom should not be telling me that shit. So it's so it's like the fact that I have to live in fear because the cut of my skin, like that's just whack. So that's the bad part. The good part is uh, kind of like I said, leave whatever I endure, whatever I take on in this world. Leave it better for the, for not just my kids, not just... A nephews for the next black man, the neighbors' kids, y'all kids, y'all sons, whoever else. And um, the last part is, it needs to be very prideful because at the end of the day, I'm all about, you know, black men, this and the magic of this and the drip of this and all of that shit. Like, I'm extremely proud, especially being in uh, sports where, you know, you look at the majority of certain sports and African-American men dominate. NFL dominate. NBA dominate. Uh cricket dominate. So um, <laughs> like Hector is laughing there. So um that's what it means, guys. So it sucks that as a black man we have to be in fear, but that's just the one And I'm so
3: um like they said, like both gentlemen have said, for me being black in America is about foundation leaving a better foundation for what's next but also for me it's a very much about how to say this it's 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 the same realm but basically everything i do when i'm around people is to make the i feel like i represent my race at all times i'm not just an individual like ever since i was young i would have people in the hood telling me I speak like a white person. And um, like I would, I would, all the way up until even in, I would think I was like 26 at the time. And I I had white people telling me I speak like a white person. And so it always, it, since, since I was young, I've always had this representation, this thing in my head that I have to represent us and show people that we're not, like the the lowest like thing you could think of because obviously that is what people think like they think you can't speak proper proper english and it's not to say and and like if you speak another language you know it's not like that should be if you come from haiti and you speak english and you your words are you don't speak, speak in a proper sentence but you speak english that should still be looked at as a great thing because coming most most Americans don't know two languages. And it is it is hard to navigate that as a black person. But they they're still looked at even when they're speaking Haitian, they're still looked at as inferior in even though they're speaking a, a break of French. Like I've I've seen it where people have been like, yo, I don't like the Haitian language. And I'm like, that that there's something deep in there that it's it's more than just the sound of it the linguistics of it it's there's a a a a inferiority that people look at in the in the language um so to get back to point for me it's 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 a thing of representation and knowing that i when i do things i'm doing it for sean for akio for hector for my son for the men before me and the men after me that when you think of a black person and you think of julia ross that you're you're you have a positive image in your head yeah you see that plane? that shit was loud as shit wasn't it <laughs> i was trying to trying to stop that <laughs> go ahead go ahead
4: yeah but um like like ross said um you know being black in america it, it is representation because you represent the next black man because once you do something wrong you're you criticized that it's all black people um at the same token um it's rough being black in america because you you're held back like your starting point isn't from zero your starting point is from like negative 10. so everything you do you have to work twice as hard so it's like when you complete something or achieve something it's like oh yeah I did that. But then the next person come and said, well, that's what you're supposed to do. And it's like, yeah, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but this society holds me back against it. So I can't do it. You know, um like like even when we talk about 401k plans and we talk about stocks and bonds, we talk about housings and things of that nature, it's like we don't deserve it. We're supposed to always be put into the low income housing. We don't deserve the mansions, we don't deserve the the picket fence and the dog. You know, we don't deserve both parents in our life. Our father must always be a deadbeat. Like that's what the black man representation is put out as, and it's like when you're not that, it's like oh God, you sure you sure you're black? Like that doesn't sound right, you know. So like, and, and it's sad that that's the way that we live. So for me personally, it's like I'm always on my p's and q's or acting white to fit into the society, just to make sure that the next man isn't judged or taking a moment, like, matter of fact, I have a friend, right, that I work with, and we were sitting down, we was having a conversation, and he was like, um, I forgot, anyway, the the conversation strayed, and I was like, you know, I feel bad that I didn't finish college, and he said, wow, a man of your caliber, I thought that you had your master's or something, I said, I'm 27, I do not have my master's, I actually stopped going to school from community college, but why did you assume that? He was like, um, you know, just the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, and so forth and so forth. And I was like, why do you need a degree to do such? I said, to be honest with you, I've worked in a, paral- I worked in a law firm under paralegals and lawyers. I was an assistant. And that's the reason why I know how to incorporate my words into a sentence properly. But I'm, I don't understand why you as a black man have the nerve to say that to me. You know, and he was like, oh, I didn't mean it offensively. I actually meant that as a way of praise. I'm like, bro, you can't do that. You know, so then he, and then he explained to me how he spoke to a white manager and that manager basically tore him down. He had to basically like show his credentials, like, listen, I have a master's degree. I do this and I do that. And the manager was surprised and he was like, well, I never expected that. And then that proved how racist that man was because he thought that because he's black and he's working where he's working, he's not good enough. You know, so that's, that's what it is. It's like, you got to try to be far more superior than the other.
0: What what popped up in my I guess to pay you back on what everyone said as far as like, um, you know, looking out for your kids in the future, just looking out for other Black people around you, um, generational wealth, just holding it down and representation, um, reminds me of um, Cool Runnings when Yul Brenner was saying to Junior, he was like, "Look in the mirror and tell me what you see," and he was like, "I see pride, I see power, I see, what are you said. I see a man that can, don't take crap off from nobody. That's and that's movie. that's basically, yeah. That that's my crazy.
1: favorite movie, yeah. And,
0: that, and that's crazy because that's, that's. <laughs> I mean, with, with all those things that you said, I feel like pride and power um, can definitely take up for everything that you guys said um, and just not taking crap off no one, even though y'all do um, realizing and saying it out loud just brings to the point that, you know, we have to take crap off people and we're going to have to fight for it. But
3: at the same time, don't let it break you. Um, so yeah. Question: um, My dad, and still within the same question, my dad. When I was younger, and I want to know: Does this go for Sean, Akio, Hector, and even the ladies? Have y'all had? Did your parents have the conversation with you where they told you when you were a kid? Because this is what it means to be black in America. You have to work. Three times harder to get to the same place, at least to get the same place as a white person. You have to work absolutely to that well, same. I,
0: place. I, I never, I never I, got I, that, I, conversation. Never had that conversation.
4: Never. Absolutely, I, always whether, had that conversation.
3: I know your father wasn't around, kid. Well, so, as far well, as your mother anyone.
1: My parents, my parents had that talk with with us kids, but they didn't use the word black. They used the word Caribbean. Cause they they didn't have shit, you know. Mm-hmm. They, them coming up here, so there was like, oh, what well, do you know? From where we're from, mm-hmm. you gotta work three times hard. But they didn't specify black. But heck right. the, I mean, not uh, make the butt, Ross. It's the same shit because Grenada's a hundred percent black. So <laughs> my
4: mom uh, the conversation I have with my mom was pretty much anything you want, you work for it. Like and I, like that was just more so of. I don't think it was a, a racial thing when she said it. It was just more so like, you know, hard work pays off. That, that was always her thing. And then, like, I had a conversation with her about cops, which was interesting. Um, it was a weird conversation because she was like, um, you know, I had a dream that you got into it with cops. Like, you was in a patch of a car, somebody was driving, and they just shot the car for no reason, and you died. And I was like, oh, damn, that's crazy. I was like, well, at least you know, you're going to get a big check. God forbid if anything was to happen. She was like, there's no amount of money to bring back my son. And from that day, I was like, damn, no, that is absolutely true. And then to see it happen after having that conversation was like, well, you know, there's no amount of money that can bring that back because they wanted to do something. And she always told me, told me, make sure, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Just treat them with respect, just to, just so you could go about your way and make it home. Hector,
2: I my parents didn't have a conversation about um how to interact with the police or specifically being black in america because like sean i'm i'm from the caribbean so i'm from a country that was majority black my I'm well correction i grew up in a country that's majority black in st lucia in guyana the population is actually 50 50 and in between black people and indian from like actual india and over there even to this day like literally as we speak There's a lot of tension going on because the election just happened and people are complaining about the president because obviously the the Indians look at black people the same way white people in America look at black people. My dad had a shotgun pointed at him when he was working for the government because he walked into an Indian man's rice field. So there is that tension there. So I never, I personally, they never spoke to me about it. The closest thing is my mother said to me, if you get arrested, don't call me. And on the surface, it sounds terrible. It sounds like the typical Caribbean mother thing to say. But my <laughs> mother does. What my mother is, she's afraid. My mother is not the type of person to go against the world in a sense. Like she's not, she's not, if the world says every time you do, every time you walk out the house, bow down, she will bow down to not ruffle. She doesn't like to ruffle feathers. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So she, as her thing is, don't ruffle nobody feathers. Don't make no trouble. Just do what you need to do to come back home. Don't, don't, don't sell. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter why you do it. Like just don't, don't do nothing to, to ruffle feathers, come back home. And it was actually, it wasn't until just now when I started talking to you guys that I realized that I really have lived a, a majority portion of my life, one, to be perfect and two, to, to mitigate risk I Yesterday, I was driving to Hoboken, and there's a car, a probably a 2020 Audi A5 with a convertible rooftop. Four white people are in the car. The car has no license plates on No license plates. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way in hell any black man in America would drive any car, let alone a brand new Audi A5, with no license plates on, with the roof down, like he's just having a good time. Like, that's... You would, you would, you would literally get arrested. Like there's no way you would get arrested. You get pulled over at least three times, you get arrested. And it just goes to show like the things that I have to think about. I go to work and I make sure I always have to wear a button down. I don't have to, there's no dress code, but the standard, it's like, you feel like you are held to a higher standard. So everything you do has to be perfect. Like I have, okay, I got to make sure I look the part. I got to make sure I say the right things. And it's like, for some people, it's easy to do. Like for me, it's easier because I'm not, I, I, I don't, I don't, I like to not ruffle feathers because I'm my mother's son. So I'm not that, I, I, I don't really like going against it, but I can see for other people who, who don't have that, they're like, why do I have to change my own personality to live in this place? And that's just, that's not something someone should have to do based purely on the color of their skin.
1: Right
5: my mom had like, had that conversation with me where she did tell me like, you know, because you're a black woman, you have two strikes against you where you're black and you're a woman. So she's like, you do have to work a lot harder, especially in being in the corporate world. And because of the fact that, you know, my mom, like she, my mom has an 11th grade education, like after 11th grade, like that was it for her. Um, but her talk to me is always um, about, um how to love a black man where it's like you know kind of tiptoeing around it in a in a sense where it's just like well you know they have it a lot harder so don't do too much don't give them too much problems don't you know don't whatever not i don't know whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing but i mean i do understand the, the struggles that a black man does have to do does have to go through and for me i always try to play my part of trying to be more supportive uh you know, um, and to be like a safe space for them to talk and whatever. So those are the type of conversations my mom used to have with me in terms of like the color of my skin and being in the corporate world and working harder and also being in relationship with black men. But you could go.
4: Sha. Not not to cut you off. Um realistically there's three strikes against you. You're black mm-hmm. and and you're classified as an American. So it's okay. Americans is trash.
5: So there's really three. So I, I don't count it. I don't count the, the, yes, I'm American, but it's just, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation in itself about this whole American thing. But yeah. yeah. So I, I, I never received um, that conversation.
0: If anything, I saw it more. My, my dad used to work early mornings and then come home like really late or if it, if it, even if he didn't come home really late, it was just early mornings. And I guess I always used to see like my mom stress, like if he didn't come home at a certain time or making sure that when he got out the door, he had everything he needed and stuff like that. So while the conversation didn't come up to me, I didn't really hear it to my brother either, but that might've happened. But seeing it, um, seeing how much my mother cared for my dad and his whereabouts and just every second, not like, you know, on his ass, like, you know, nagging, but just making sure that he was good at all times. Um, I kind of just got it um like that so yeah
3: for for me my dad um had the conversation with me like, multiple times while I was young um and it 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 stuck with me but I didn't really I didn't really get it until I was older um I seen I seen the situations and I was always paying attention but it wasn't until I had to uh it wasn't until probably I was in college where I realized like, oh, it like, oh, I remember I wrote a, I um, wrote a, a essay for one of my friends and I, the essays I were doing, I was getting like, I was getting like B's and C's and I was like, I was like, damn! I thought that was a good essay. Like, I was like, damn! I thought that was really good. I was dating a girl, so I wrote an essay for her, and because she was just like, she had mad work to do, so I did it for her. I got a fucking A. I was like, hold on, wait a minute! (laughs) It blew my mind. I couldn't, I to, I you know, I can't say definitively. Yo, this was because that's because I'm a black man, but I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, there's so. I wrote to me the same quality of essay, and granted, different teachers, different things. But then, when it was in someone else's hands, that wasn't a black man. That's when I got this. My work got an A, and I swear that was my first essay that I got an A, <laughs> and it wasn't mine. Um, and it's it's that was one of the things that like blew mine I was like, okay, I really I see it. I see it.
0: We talked about. Um you guys having personal experiences dealing with uh, police and being racially profiled and stereotypes. Do you guys want to bring up any more other instances that have happened?
3: Microaggressions. Um, Microaggressions with police. Police will grill Black men down. Like we are, like when police drive by you and grill you like they are some type of gang member and they are part of the opposite gang, and you have you like you should be in fear of them. And I like I remember one time I was driving, this was this was recently too. I was driving uh down down my block going to work, and they're come I stop at a stoplight, they're coming around the corner, I just happened to look out the window, white white police officers staring me down, grilling me, grilling me, grilling me, going all the way around. And I felt the heat, like I felt the anger rising in me. Um, and those little microaggressions, and it, it's it goes. It's more than that. It's you know the the, the handcuffing, all these little things that they do to they, they, when they walk by and they'll say little shit. Um, those little things over time really instigate these situations, so that when it does come to a cop actually you being in an interaction with a cop, it goes left.
4: Not only that, but in the fact that they get away with it, that that is more of a, like, just a trigger. Go ahead, continue. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that was, that was it. I was leaving it there. Like, like I, I agree, like, they see you, and it's like, they're just watching you. They're just hoping you do something, and then you're just there, like, continue on about your day, like, move up, you know. But it's like, like, last episode, I explained my situation when um I was at the airport. But even with that, I remember another time I was pumping gas. I was on Flatlands, by Flatlands and 58th, that gas station by the subway that's across the street, if y'all know Brooklyn. Anyway, so I was pumping gas and I was actually on the phone with Aisha and I seen this dude walking, minding his business here on the phone. And out of nowhere, I see two unmarked cars pull up and they just hop out, right? And when they hopped out, the car is still moving, by the way, when they hopped out. So when they hopped out on him, I'm thinking, like, they know him from somewhere, and, like, he did something to somebody, and like, like this was, like, his legit ops. All I know, they rough him up, and they all cops, and they searching him, took his hands out his pocket, all, like he's on a phone call, and they was like, all right, cool, have a nice day. Hopped in the car, they kept pushing, and he just kept walking, I'm just looking, like, this isn't a norm, like, th- this should not be... Normal, like this, should not be an okay thing. That's,
3: that is a violation. That's you know, a violation of rights. And, and like them taking my, advantage of their power.
4: Exactly. Because right. I'm on the phone with totally. her, and I was like, "Oh, she just got real And she's like, Yo, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah." Like everything happened so fast, but it's like anything could have happened. Like, let's say he had a gun, right? Let's just say he had a gun. Or, matter of fact, let's say they assumed he had a gun because hand was in his pocket, and they opened fire. We're in a gas station, flatlands, open block gas station. Anybody could have got hit. You could have hit a pump, anything. You know, it's like, and they're not thinking of things of this nation. They just hopped out on him, searched him, roughed him up, sent about out his way. And I'm just there like, i seen this man walk from the corner here on the phone the whole time. I know he did nothing wrong. So what, what was all that about?
3: To, to that, it's, so I've read something about cops. Um, it's from the point of view of police officer a police officer, where he says um, that when they see a Black person, there's a statistic that they have in their head. For every one out of, one out of 10, uh, every one out of 100 Black people, they, the cops assume that one of, that, that one has one, drugs, or some type of uh, something that can get them an arrest. Versus when they look at a per- white person, they say one out of 1,000 has the chance of having a gun or something that could provide an device.
4: If you ever got hit with the, yo, I don't care about the weed, I don't care about the drug, just let me know if you have any guns or weapons from now, and then you can go out your way. A of ever asked you that question? Or said that to you?
3: Yes, yes.
4: I'm pretty sure. You know what? Go ahead, continue.
3: So it's, it's a thing of we aren't, one, besides the fact that we're not looked at as people, as humans, With lives, we're we're also just a means for them to come up. With the system that's set up for cops right now, our arrests are their, that is their promotion. And that's why we're used as not as people, not as citizens, but just as a, a stepping stone. So they don't care what you were doing with their life, they don't care what you were doing with their day. They will take your freedom. They will take your life if it makes if it expands on their career.
1: I'm gonna leave it there. Um, um, so to answer the question, I add two other situations happened. The first one was I was going by my friend's house in Formandale, Nassau County, Suffolk County, um, a borderline, and his house is you got to get off exit. There's a gas station. You make a left. I get off the exit, I pass the gas station, I go to make a left. And this cop, he pulls me up. A Nassau County cop. I'm like, okay, great. What did I do So he asked me, you know, license, registration, blah, blah, blah. So I, I give it to him. And then I don't know if any of you guys see my car, as a dent on the left side of my car. So he's like, yo, that's a pretty bad dent. Like, uh, like where'd you, um, you know, like, like what did, like, did it just happen? I'm like, nah. this happened, like, last year. And he was like, oh, oh, all right. And then the next question after that was, so what are you doing in this part of town? And immediately I knew, that's why you pulled me over. I didn't even say that to him. But I'm like, Nassau County, not, you don't see black folks in that part of, of formative. Formative got of black people, but not that part. So I'm like... So he goes, whatever it takes, mad long, comes back and says, "All right, man, if I was you, I would get that fixed. Like, it looks pretty bad, but have a nice day." And I'm just there looking at myself. You, you, like you pulled me over because I had a debt but on my car. Nonsense. I'm a black man. It was like 10 o'clock at night. You see me driving in a white part of town, and that's why you did what you did. So, um, the second thing was. I went to this, I I guess I went to this white club, quote-unquote, and um, it's me and my boys, and I have a habit of, I like to enter the club first, so, of course, I'm first, whatever, and then a couple white people, dudes and chicks, standing in front of me. Long story short, the guy let them in, the guy let them in. The bouncer, who was white, looks at me, he looks for me from head, neck, body, legs, toe. And then he goes back up. Feet, legs, body, neck, head. And he looks at me and says, I cannot uh, let you in because of your shoes. So I was like, the guy in front of me got on the got on, got on similar shoes. I can't uh, um, uh, let you in because of my shoes. So I was like, okay. He did the same thing to my boy. Oh, I can't let you in because of your shoes. Behind my boy was a white dude wearing sneakers, and he let him in. Right away, we went on, because we knew right right away, you're not letting let us in because we're fucking black. So it just, those two situations uh, come to mind, and I didn't have one, no Jordans or no whatever. I had on Clarks. <laughs> I had on Clarks, and... Uh, and not the high-ass black clocks. I had on, like, a fancy, like, $100 black pair of clocks. And you and said that I can't get it because of shoes. So that's just crazy. Anyway, Hector, preach.
2: I'm going to actually jump off of your point. Personally, I haven't had any... um how Like, I haven't had any noticeably profiled cases where a cop pulled me over. Usually, I'm actually either speeding or on my phone or something like that but what Sean said about the 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 club thing is actually something that really happened I don't know y'all probably could co-sign this but when I was when I used to go out with my friends we could not walk to the club with more than about three or four black men together because you in a group of four or five up you're not the whole nobody's getting in negative like you literally have to fake like you don't know dudes to get in the club because they will not let 10 black men in as a group together. Amen, amen. That's a real thing, I, and I guess because they figure we'd come in there and cause trouble or what, I, I don't know. Most of the, the, the times I've been around, I've seen like police interactions that actually been with like other people where I've just witnessed it. So I have, I, I'm not gonna speak much on that. I just know that even though it may not be my personal story, I cannot, I cannot ignore and I cannot, what's the word? I cannot look down on other people, you know, because it may not be, it may not have happened to me, but that doesn't mean it can't happen to me. Cause just like how other people get profiled, I can get profiled. Just, it's just made luckily for my life that it hasn't happened. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look down on anyone else. And until everyone is treated the same, then I can't just say, oh, well, You know, things are good. Why don't everyone be like me? And that's not a good way to think. Everyone is not me. Everyone is not going to, I'll just, I'll just leave it with this. I, to this day, I still do it. If I'm walking down the road late at night and there's a a woman walking towards me, especially if she's white, I'm crossing the road. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I don't want to make her uncomfortable. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I may do that. I may feel okay doing that. But that doesn't mean that everyone else should feel okay having to appease other people. That's not, that's not
1: the way you should live your life. So, But the opposite happens to us. Like, there's been plenty of times as a black man, I'm walking down the street, and I see a and white guy, a white chick, they're coming towards me, and, and they cross. And they only cross to me because, all oh, the intimidation because they're black, yada, yada, yada. So that goes both um, away from
3: I've had a couple interactions. Oh, it's
1: cute! Mm-hmm. I've had a couple
3: interactions with, um, with cops um, that, that were dealt with. All right, one specific situation was uh, I had gotten into an altercation with um, a guy I was working with. I had dropped him. I drove him home, and he ended up, we got into an a, a altercation, and he ended up taking my keys and running into his house um this was when i was young young and so i go to the cops at the time and i'm like oh yo these this guy he took my cut he took my keys he ran, he ran into the house this is when i realized i cannot go to the cops if i'm in trouble i was the one that needed help they tried to turn the situation around on me to be like they wanted they did not want to know where the person was uh what you know, what the the, the specifics of the, the interaction were, they wanted to know where was my car. And that's when I realized, oh, they're trying to set me up. They want they want to find something on me to turn the situation around. And that's when I, I walked away. As soon as they said, where's your car, instead of inquiring anything about what, you know, the trouble that I was having, they wanted to find a way to look for something on me and i i learned right there don't don't go to the cops for shit
4: so so um speaking on what sean said when he said he was on farmingdale so um there was a time my sister was getting married my, my older sister she was in florida so uh me and my cousin we drove down he yeah we drove we chose to drive down um it was my turn to drive so i'm driving we're in south carolina and um there was a cop in like the bushes Right, so I passed that cop. So my cousin says, "Um, don't be surprised if you get pulled over. I said, for what? I'm not speeding, I'm doing the speed limit. You know, he was like, we're in South Carolina. Don't be surprised if you get pulled over. I didn't know what he meant. I said, all right, cool, whatever. Kept driving, not even five minutes. There's a cop behind me, I'm getting pulled over. So I pull over. So then I, I, he says, so I pull over and he was like, go more into the grass. But I'm like, we're driving. A, it was an infinity, M something, I can't remember. So I'm okay, so I did, thing. so he came to the window and he said, well, he came to the back window. and He said, step out the car. So I'm like, okay, I step out the car. When I stepped out the car, I had my hand in my pocket. So I got nervous because I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to make no sudden movements. The cop said to me, pick up your shirt and spin around. I said, what? He said, lift up your shirt and spin around. We're on the highway, by the way. I'm like, okay. I pick up my shirt. I spin around. He told me, take three steps forward. Take three steps forward. He searched me. Where are you headed? am going to Florida. What's in Florida? My sister's getting married. Where are you coming from? New York. What, what's your occupation? Why does it matter? What's your occupation? I work for an airline. If you work for an airline, why are you driving to Florida? Because I work for an airline. My cousin doesn't. Who car it? My cousins. Um. What he said? He said, I hear an accent. Where you from? What? I said, I'm Jamaican. Oh, I just came from Jamaica. Me and my wife went there for a honeymoon. When he said that, I looked at his finger. Man I was not married. It, not even a, a tan on his finger to say that he had a wedding ring on, nothing. I'm just looking like you're wasting my time. He says, stand right here. I'm going to go talk to your cousin. He goes, he have a conversation with my cousin. So he comes back. So he says to me, um, is there any drugs in the car? I said, no. Any open bottles of liquor? No. Is it $10,000 or more in the car? I said, I wish, but no. Can I search the car? I said, no. Why not? It's not my car. But you're driving. If you want to search the car, you can go back to the window and ask my cousin if you you can search the car. I'm not giving you permission to search the car. Okay, I'm going to let you off for a warning. You have yet to tell me what I got pulled over for. You were swerving. I was swerving, and you're asking me a million and one questions for swerving? Not even a sobriety test, nothing. He gives me a little warning. He goes about his business. So I get back in the car. My cousin said, yo, that cop was really an asshole, and he was really looking for something to get on you. He, he said, yo, the cop had the nerve to ask me if you're really my cousin. I said, what? He said, yeah, I had to tell the cop. Last time I checked, my uncle had sex with his mother and birthed him, which made me cousins. Is that not how this works? So I'm like, I, I don't get it. Like, he was like, I told you he was gonna get pulled over. My cousin, at the time I had braids. My hair was in a ponytail. My sister braid, my sister braid hair, so I wasn't worried about that. And my cousin had dreads. So he was like, you fit the description. And that's the reason why we got pulled over because you didn't swerve once. And then that's why I learned. Racism is real. Right.
0: Um, it's it's like you you hear stories from the news and social media, but it, I think it's a little bit more impactful when you hear it from like, your friends and people that you communicate with on a daily. Um, before I happen to my next question, going back to what Keo said the first time when he was at the gas station and the cops pulled him over, um, I don't know if you guys, <clears throat> remember this instance in 2014 a month after Ferguson um, a shot a, a cop shot an armed man his name was LaVar Jones in the gas station um, he did not die and the cop went to prison for five years um, but just piggybacking p- p- piggybacking on like the concept that the cops they're not they're not in regard of other people they're going to do what they want because in this gas station, anything could have um, gone down. Anybody could have gotten hurt. It could have been a mass explosion. And the cop pulled him over for a traffic stop. But yeah, he took out his gun and shot at him.
3: Is that the one where the um, the he told the guy to go for his wallet or to yeah. go for his ID? So he turned around and went for his wallet? Yes. And he instantly shot him, and he shot him, and he couldn't feel his legs.
0: Yep. So yeah. in, in court, they sentenced him really quickly, even though I don't think that sentence was uh, good enough. But his excuse was, like, for, for pulling out his gun and aiming was that he misread LeVar Jones' body language. You just told him to look for his wallet. You should expect some type of movement. So what do you mean you misread body language? He was doing what he told what you, what you told him to do.
3: There are times I read the, like, I read the comments on, like, one of some of these things. The things I would see from white people, oh, I specifically remember when I read that, there was the, there were people saying he moved too fast. They were making the excuse that you, you doing what the officer said to do, you need to move slower. You can't think fast. You can't move fast. You just have to do everything at whatever pace you that you think that they think that they should that read mind, read, read, whatever minds you have to. It's even in a situation like that, people still come up with a way to find faults in the victim.
4: Exactly.
0: Right. Um, so we're just going to, we're going to jump to our next question. Um, do you feel seen and heard as a black man amongst your family friends, in relationships, and within the workplace. Uh, we'll start off with Sean.
1: Do I feel seen? Yes or no. The yes part is that, you know, I value myself as someone that communicates, you know, really well. At least I think I do. Sometimes maybe too, too much. But um, with that being said, yes, from the standpoint of, you know what I'm saying, like people do reach out, people do text, call or whatever way. Be like, hey, you know, like, how's this going? How you doing? You know, so on and so forth, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and and that's cool. The no part is to piggyback piggyback of what I just said. Specifically, I don't think that's done because I'm black. I think that's specifically that's done because that is family being family, friends being friends. Sometimes I feel like, even amongst us or and, and others, I feel like you know what I'm saying, like we know that things can happen in the world. I don't think that we understand that things can, things can happen and things do happen because we are black, and it's like you know what I'm saying like it's almost like we have to have like a double set of like everything we have to fear twice we have to be we have to be aware of where we're walking and doing, and so on and so forth so. I feel like I have been seen and heard amongst, you know, family, friends, exes, peers, friends or uh, so on and so forth, but I feel like, you know, but, but I feel like no at the same time because I feel like the the, the, the them hitting me up was more so along the lines of, you know, like just friends being friends of people that care for me, love me, like me, um, and so forth so it'll be cool amongst you know just everyone to really understand like yo like we go through some shit not because we just go have a job and because you know we have interest amongst other things we go through some shit you know what I'm saying um like and and we go through a double set of shit because we're black and it's just you know and it's just sad that things are happening now for us to see that and and i'm thirty one to turning uh, uh, 32, and it's like now it's all hitting at the same time. Like, yo, I really go through a lot just of the color of of my skin. Forget my two shows, forget my job, forget family, forget my siblings, whoever, my friends. I just go through double the set of shit because of what I go through from when I wake up to when I go to sleep, and from when I go through when I leave my house, fearing that I can do everything right, like KO said, he was pumping gas, like he said. He was driving to go see his sis, and bro, that could have turned out very bad. Thank God, you know, God was watching you, bro. So I do feel heard and seen, but I also don't. Um,
4: to answer your question, I feel like I feel like it's situation. Your question is situational only due to the fact that when it comes to like your peers, it's like, this is what you're surrounded by. So it's like, everybody has that mindset already. So it's, it's a norm between you. Sadly, it's a norm. Um, in the work, I'm gonna say the workforce, but in the workforce, I feel like we're not heard. Well, I'm not heard. Um, I feel like if you're, if I do interview today and John Doe, who happens to be Caucasian, does the same interview, answers the question the same way, he's more likely to get it than I am, or the fact that his name is John, and it's more white than Akio, he might get the interview or a better chance than I do. So it's like, that's how I feel about that. But again, I think it's situational, because um, at the same token, I feel like if you're somewhere in the South, then it's like, your, your environment is totally changed and you're no longer comfortable. So. You have to move accordingly, or you're the peasant quote unquote so to say
2: all right, so I'll go um as far as family, I would say I am heard because I'm like i'm i'm my family like they respect my opinion, they listen to me, so i there's no real issue there at the workplace. I am heard there as well. But I don't, but I wouldn't say that that should be taken as like, oh, great. Because one, I work at a small company where I actually know the chairman and the president. Like when I say I know them, like I go get coffee because it's free coffee. I go, And the chairman is standing next to me getting coffee too. So it's a small company. They see you. And to be honest, they're not, it's not like that company, even though obviously with older white people you never know, but then there's nothing so far. But I would say that in that in my job now, and like I said, in a story of my life is that I have to be perfect. And fortunately for me, it works with my personality. I don't know. I'll say this, and maybe some people it'll hit them. I'm a Virgo, so being perfect is what I want to do. It's like my natural inclination. Issues, but, you're
4: a Virgo, I'm just like you. I'm know, continue. Yeah. Say that
2: again? <laughs> but, but that I, I see that, like, I, I take it as that is that is the way I am. But I'm not here. I, I can't say that that's the way things should be. Because my son is not like me. He doesn't. My son is, is he's an Aries. He's born in April. He don't give a damn what no one cares or thinks. And he should not have to be perfect just because of his skin color just to just to live like just to meet the basic standard of life. He shouldn't have to do that. So as far as being seen and heard, it's like, I take all of my, I try my best to make sure, especially in this day and age, I try my best to, to speak on on like the truth, because even though I may be an exception, I'm not the rule. So I can't speak as I'm not, I will not, I not, I can't, but I will not speak as the rule. I'm the exception. Most black men do not live the type of life that I live. They have it harder than me. And I cannot, I will not leave them on the side of the road because I, I had it better or I was fortunate. Like that's not, I'm, I can't do that. I don't know George Floyd. I don't know Ahmaud Arbery. I don't know what they, what they were or were not doing. What I do know is that at no point in any police code, any police book, does it say that it's okay to kill a person. The purpose of police is to arrest someone and give them their day in court. Neither of those two men ever had their day in court. And that's really what the heart of this is. The police are not giving us our day in court. We, de- as an, as Americans, as people, as humans, we deserve our day. It doesn't matter. You could have raped five children and three goats before the police pulled up there. You still have to arrest him, let him go to court, and you have to prove that he did that. You can't just be out here killing people because they... They, they were drunk and sleeping in a car. You can't be out here because you thought you heard that someone told you he was in a in a in a in a, in a house under construction. You can't kill someone because they have a, a $20 bill. Like there's better ways to do this. And I I have a security license. I know what the use of force continuum is. And nowhere are these guys actually using those things. They're just doing whatever it takes to make them feel good in the moment. You can de-escalate... I, honestly, I've, I have I'm, I'm a bit off question here, but I think a lot of these police need to operate without a gun because I've worked for the Department of Health at the front desk and I didn't have a gun and I've had to de-escalate. Pretty, that's all you can do when you don't have a gun is de-escalate the situation. Right. and It forces you to really open your mind because you realize that 95 to 99% of the time, people just want to be heard. You can talk almost anyone down of almost anything if you just listen to them and cops aren't doing that, they're ready to force stop and do what, do what you tell them. And, and they, they're not realizing that people just want to be heard. Everyone's not the same. Give them that respect. And like I said, that's, that's where they need to go. Take the guns away and let them do their job without put, without the guns on uh, us.
1: You're a hundred percent right, bro. I was uh, watching the news and I saw a bunch of cops talk a guy off of uh, i think he was trying to like uh just jump off a bridge or something like that and they got the guy and the guy came down and the cops said the guy just wanted to just vent the guy just wanted to talk yeah. and Is it's it- just like yo so y'all didn't draw no guns when this guy was about to go jump off a high ass bridge but y'all draw guns doing um regular shit bro i completely
4: Okay. That's my thing, right? Like this might sound so wrong and so fucked up, but my thing is this, right? As an officer, you signed up to put yourself in a line of duty, right? And technically speaking, you signed up to put yourself in harm's way. So my thing is there's there's states where people are legal to carry. So because he has a gun, are you gonna shoot? Because technically it's not self-defense unless he draws the gun on you, right? And then at the same token, you got firefighters, they put themselves in the line of duty, and they put themselves in harm's way day in and day out. So if you're signed up to be a cop, I feel like it's only right that you taking these precautions. Like, you're, you're killing innocent people for no reason, but you you signed up to put yourself in harm's way. You get what I'm saying? Like, it, granted, the scenario it sounds messed up, but it's like, yo... No, no, right you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right.
0: Absolutely,
4: yeah. you're, you're absolutely right because...
3: If you, if you were to sign, if you, when you sign up to be a cop and you, like you said, you're signing up to put yourself, yourself in harm's way. Go, go ahead.
2: like um, right I, what um, Akil was saying, it's, it's that when you sign up to be a cop, you no longer get the bias of saying, I need to get home at night. Because you chose to be it. It's not a dra- You're not, you didn't get drafted. You didn't choose. You chose to be here. Exactly. exactly. Agreed. 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 I'm going to treat everyone with, as, as the NYP would say, courtesy and respect, you cannot come in there with any prejudice every time. Yeah, if that means that you need, like, your own time to, to go take a break, sure. But you cannot do that every time. You cannot say, oh, well, I have kids too. No, son, no. Because that's, that's what you, you signed up for that.
5: You that's right. Up.
3: There's, and there's too many people. That's the biggest problem. I'm, I've always said, like, if you're, the, if you're a smart criminal, if you were smart before, like if you think about how you want to, let's say you want to touch on little kids, you want to sell drugs, you want to run with guns, you want to kill Black people, the best thing for you to do is become is go into law enforcement. And if you're smart, and which, or if you have connections, which these guys do, they become cops. And on top of that, there's too many people that become a cop for the benefits of a cop without the responsibilities of a cop. They do it for the pensions, they do it for the power. They do not care about people's lives. They care about what they could provide for themselves. It's not about the job, it's about the benefits. That is the one and I swear to God if you were to take away the pensions as soon as they shot someone. Doesn't even matter if it was justified. If you know that if you shoot someone, your pension is at risk. You're you're gonna be fired or you're gonna be laid off until pending whatever embed, investigation, a lot of this shit would stop immediately because then their lifestyle is at, ho- at at stake. And they they don't get to kill people for free for no with no repercussions whatsoever. Well said Wallace,
1: well said. Well said. So, yeah, so, all right, so what we do is we'll end part one here. We'll come back with the remaining questions and everything else that everybody wants to get to. So, this will be part one, and then we'll uh, get to part two, all right? So, and welcome back to part two of a very, very, very